Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Church, this is the first service of 2021. How are you guys doing? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, it is a good day to be in church. Second day of the year, it is a good, a good day. Let me ask you a question, guys. How many of you guys have already started lining out your goals? You've already written your goals out for this year, 2021 goals. Anybody in the house? Look, everybody said we went through last year. We ain't writing no goals down whatsoever. That's what, that's what happened, right? If you're online, you got some goals. Let us see some of your goals, man. Put some of your goals in the comments, right? Goals are a great thing. They are a great thing to, to, to put on a list or a great thing to strive for, to achieve. But goals in the end aren't everything. How many of you guys understand? Like goals are good to put up on the board. They're good to, to go after. But at the end, they're not everything. As a matter of fact, um, we can get kind of caught up in this whole goal-setting thing. This goal-setting thing is a relatively new thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Resolutions are kind of a re- relative, relatively new thing. I mean, if you go back in, in history, you go back in time, I, I don't find any ancient writings that survived antiquity that says, you know, so-and-so, Julius Caesar had these top 10 goals he was going for in whatever year it was, right? Do you see that? I don't see that. It's a relatively new thing. And I'm not against goals. I think goals are great. Resolutions are great. But my issue comes with this. As a lot of times, for a lot of us, particularly people who follow Christ, man, we are setting goals to try to become something that we feel we are not. Come on. We are setting goals to try to become something that we are not. Now, again, I'm not anti-goals. But I think if we're not careful, we'll spend most of our time trying to uh, allow or or make outward uh, circumstances, outward situations change what's on the inside. Goals will be most successful when we tap into understanding who we are on the inside. When our inside influences our goal setting, then our goals are achieved. Come on, church. Right? Paul... I was, I was praying a couple days ago and uh, praying through this next couple of weeks of what we're going to be going through. And, the, and, and I came across Philippians 3. How many of you guys set a goal to read the Bible throughout, for, throughout the whole year? Read the Bible through in a year. Anybody do that? Are, are we just not motivated at all, church? Are we just not motivated? We're just like, we just don't know, pastor. We're just kind of waiting for the, the other thing to drop. But uh, Philippians, <laughs> Philippians 3, if you go there right quick. There is a scripture in Philippians 3 that I think kind of sums up. I've heard this used so many times when it comes to moving forward. I've heard it preached in church services when when they're talking about a brand new year. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Philippians 3, verse 13, and this is what it says. It's going to be up there, right? There it is, right? It says, no, dear brothers and sisters. It says, I have not achieved it. He says, but I focused on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Man, so many of us, like we talked about last week, so many of us were excited to forget the past of 2020 and look forward to ahead to 2021. Amen. I mean, a lot of us did. And then what happened? You woke up today and you, re- you realized today is December 33rd, 2020, right? You realize that. 
right? Wait a minute, something, not much has really changed. The date didn't change. My son, Caden, told me that. He said, Dad, everybody's so hyped up about this new year. He said, nothing magically is going to happen. Like, they're going to wake up, and it's going to be the same day, right? Paul says, there's wisdom in that young man. Paul said, I forget the things that are behind me, and I press on toward the things that are ahead. Paul, if, if, if he was setting goals, that would be his goal. His goal would be to say, I'm forgetting, I'm letting go of the past things, and I'm pressing forward, with, pressing forward ahead. Uh, you know, and we can say that, yeah, we, we agree with that. But the problem is, the issue is, is that we think that um, we, we don't get to deal with our past stuff. We're just supposed to forget them. Right? Just forget. You don't get to deal with it. You don't get to come back and revisit. You just forget it. Forget it and, and move ahead. And, and Paul, coming into context of what Paul is saying, Paul's not talking about forgetting, uh, uh, forgetting your life. Paul's not talking about forgetting where you came from, in a sense. Paul is talking about forgetting uh, this life of trying to do enough and be enough to be good. To be accepted by God. Paul said, listen, the past that I'm forgetting and that I'm putting aside is the life that I spent running on the hamster wheel of religion getting nowhere. That's what he said. I'm putting that aside and I'm pressing on ahead. Well, what is what is ahead of Paul? If, if hamster wheel religion is behind us, behind him, what is ahead of Paul? Well, Paul goes on to tell us that in Philippians 3. He tells on to tell us, he says, that it's Christ. Go, go over to Philippians 3 real quick, and we'll go with verse 3. I'm going to read verse 3 to 10. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, you can take pictures of the screen, or you can just jot these down, but I'm going to fly through some scriptures today. And usually I don't have this much scripture, but I'm telling you, we're setting the pace. We're setting the, the, the standard uh, at the very first service of 2021. And, and I'm telling you, what you're going to hear today, I want you to take, I want you to write it down, and I want you to make it visible somewhere in your house. I don't care if you put it in your car. You can put a copy in your car, put a copy in your mirror in your house, put a copy on your refrigerator. Come on, somebody. Put a copy somewhere because I'm telling you, it's going to be something I want you that you need to come back to meditate on throughout the year. So Philippians chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 3. And this is what Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. He says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are, are the ones who are truly circumcised. He said, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, he said, I have I have even more. I have even more. He goes on to say, he's, what he's saying right here is he said, listen, our focus, what we rely on, what we put our faith in, what we anchor our hearts to, is not anything that we can do externally to make us better. It is, it is all focused, anchored, put on Christ and what he's done from the inside out. We live our lives as Christians every year. We live our lives as Christians from the inside out. We don't live our lives from the outside in. So he goes on verse 5. Watch. He says, he goes back. He said, you want to brag about things you've done. If, if our value and our worth, our identity and who we are comes from the things that we're doing. If anybody can brag and boast about what they've done, Paul says, it's me. I can do that. 
in verse 5, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, or eight day, when I was eight days old. He said, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. He said, I was a member of the Pharisees who deemed or who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He said, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. His zealousness for, for, the, for the law led him to persecute the church. Listen, this might be a big potpourri worth of stuff. Y'all know any potpourri? You ever seen potpourri? Got a bunch of stuff in the potpourri. Anybody use potpourri? Everybody's essential oils now, aren't we? But if you ever seen potpourri, you know it's filled with a bunch of different things. The smell good, right? But this might be just that. This message might be a big potpourri of things, okay? You okay with that? Yeah. All right. Not peppermint oil, but potpourri. All right. <laughs> his, his legalism, his, his desire to do outwardly all these good things led him to persecute the church. Hear me when I tell you this. If you're living a life of law-based religion, if you're living a life of, of, of a Christianity, a life of faith that says, in order for God to love me more, I have to do more. In order for God to forgive me, I need to confess more. In order for God to do anything in my life, I need to do more. If that is your mindset for, for your, your faith, you will find, and you probably already know, you, you've probably found yourself in a place where you can't stand other Christians. Come on, true story, right? You find yourself, well, 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 well how come they got that? I, I did twice as much. I don't understand. Well, how, how in the world did they experience? I did way more than they did. You find yourself persecuting the very church, the very body that you're a part of. Paul said, I was so zealous for hamster wheel religion that I actively persecuted the church. I made it my mission to destroy the church. And isn't it so true today, church, that, that we cry persecution? We cry persecution. And the, and the ones who are persecuting the church the most is the church. Come on. Paul said, he said, I was so zealous, I harshly, I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, he said, I obeyed the law without fault. And verse 7, it says, I once thought of these things, that these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has what? Church. Because of what Christ has what? What Christ has done. He, he said, I once to seem these valuable my accolades, my academics, how well I read scripture, how often I prayed, how much I gave. I, I once held those things valuable. He said, but now, not so much. Now the most valuable thing that I hold dear is what Christ has done. I want you to hear me, church. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his, look, look, for his sake, I have discarded everything else and counting it all as garbage. One translation says, I count it all as dung. You know what another word for dung is? A word you don't want to get caught saying on live stream. Come on, somebody. 
He said, I count it all as garbage so that I may, so I could gain, so I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want you to look at verse eight real quick. Y'all don't mind if I teach a little bit? I'll teach. I'll preach. It's a potpourri. All right. In verse eight, he said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. That word knowing right there, that word knowing is a really familiar sounding word. We've talked about it many times before, the other word, but that word knowing right there is the word gnos, and that's where it stops, gnos, not ganache, but gnos, right? And, and what the word gnos means is it means, it means to have an intellectual knowledge of something, to have an academic knowledge of something, to, to be studied and well-versed in, in something. And Paul said, listen, he said, I once prided myself in my academics, my achievements, my intellect in the Jewish law. He said, now the only thing that I care about right now is how intellectual I can be about what Christ has done for me. If I'm going to have academics, I want to be the academic in knowing what it is that Christ has done for me. Verse 9, it says, and become one with him. He said, I no longer count my own righteousness through the obeying of the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Do you know what the word righteous means, church? The word righteous means right standing. Did you see what he said? He said, I, I, I put, he said, I become righteous through faith in Christ. I become righteous through faith in Christ. You do not become, and this is a great message to start the year out with. Listen, you do not become right with God based on what you can do, should do, could do, or would do. You become right with God strictly based on what Christ has done. And it becomes a reality in your life when you choose to say, I believe it. But that's too easy. How in the world... Can that even be? That sounds way too easy. It sounds too good to be true. Well, do you know what the gospel is, church? It is the good news that just sounds too good to be true because it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Christ. Hear me. I haven't even started preaching yet, y'all. He said, I become righteous through faith in Christ. He said, for God's way of making, oh, this is so good. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? For, did you hear? I'm going to read it again. I want you to hear it. For God's way for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. For God's way. Whose way is it? It's God's way. And who's making us right with himself? God. And how do we experience it? Faith. I believe it. It's got to be more than that, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to be more than that? I mean, I can't remember the last time I, I read my Bible. That's got to account for something, right? Surely I'm nowhere near as close to God as, as you are, Pastor, because I haven't read my Bible in a year. How do you know your pastor ain't read his Bible in a year? I have because I'm preaching in this moment. But I'm saying, 
For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. He says in verse 10, he said, I want to, listen, this is good. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. If you're a note taker, you're taking notes, that no right there, you want to circle that no, that K-N-O-W right there, because that no is the word that we've talked about many times. That word right there is the Greek word gnosko, to have the most intimate knowledge of an individual possible. That's what that is. So Paul said, you know what I want to do? I want to spend my whole life not priding myself, not bragging about how many degrees I have, how many initials I have behind my name. If I'm going to be an intellect and an academic about anything, I want to be an intellect and an academic about knowing God in the most intimate way possible through Christ. Did you know that that is eternal life? Come on, church. We think eternal life is when we pray this magical prayer, like these words, and we say amen, and then when we die one day, we go and we experience eternal life. But eternal life doesn't start when you check out here. Eternal life starts from the moment you put faith in Christ. Jesus Christ himself said, you know what eternal life is in John chapter 17, verse 3? He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and your Son, whom you have sent. If you want to know how to have heaven on earth, it's not checking out here one day. Having heaven on earth is getting to know Jesus. It's getting to know Jesus. He says, For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Man, we want to skip that verse right there. Keep moving, right? No one wants to read that, do they? He says, I want to know him. I want to know him on this side. And I want to know him in such a way that I suffer like him. We don't like to hear that. But can I tell you this? It is impossible for you not to suffer at some level the closer and the more intimate you get with Jesus. Because Jesus, the life of Jesus, Jesus' ways become your ways. You see, Paul, when he prided himself in hamster-based or hamster-wheel religion, when he prided himself in hamster-wheel religion, he killed the church. He persecuted the church. But when he began to pride himself in his academia and his intellect and and knowing Jesus Christ, he became the persecuted church. And do you know how to become the persecuted church? It's not by posting your opinions on Facebook, Instagram, or any other social media platform. Come on, somebody. How you become the, the, the persecuted church is that you radically love people even if it means you love them to your death. Man, we don't like that. Can, we t- can I tell you, I struggled this morning. I struggled a little bit, y'all. I went to the gym this morning with my wife. It's day two, 2021. We got to get our fitness on. Amen. And I went to the gym with my wife this morning, and this is what happened. There was a lady who was there, right? And she, she's a fitness fanatic. We've, we've seen this lady at every gym we've been a part of probably for the last 15 years. Still don't know her name, right? But she's a fitness fanatic, and, and she had done something to her leg, and we noticed like she had done something to her leg. So she's rehabbing her leg. And she was rehabbing her leg today, y'all. And she was in the Smith machine, the, the, the Smith machine, right? And she's doing some leg exercises. And this young guy, bless his heart, <laughs> bless his heart, this young dude comes up and he says to her, he said, I know, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It all makes sense in a second. He says to her, he says, are you done with that? She said, no, I'm not working. Now, she's resting on the wall over here, right? Right? And her machine is over here. <laughs> 
And this guy's like, well, you should be working out. He starts going off. And he's like raising it. Now, listen, y'all, we're in Planet Fitness. This ain't like an Iron Man's gym, right? If he talks too loud, they're going to sound the lunk alarm. Y'all know? If you grunt, you breathe, you burp, you do something, they sound the alarm. And so he's getting loud in there. And he's getting loud with her. And a guy that was on the machine right beside where he was at stands up and looks at him and tells him, be quiet, walk away. Just stands up. And at this time, I'm doing my step-ups. And I'm looking, stepping up, and I'm looking at him. And, man, this thing started rising up on the inside of me. I have a justice heart, you know. Like, I want things to be done right. And you are not acting right to, towards her, y'all. That's, like, what's inside of me. And then I started running scenarios in your head. You ever run scenarios in your head? I run lots of scenarios in my head, right? And so I started thinking, well, say something to me. Go ahead, say something to me. He's not even talking to me. He don't even know I'm in the gym. He's talking to her, arguing with him, and I'm like, say something. I dare you. I dare you to say something. That was going on in my heart, y'all know. <laughs> right? right now you're like, why are you preaching? That was what was going on in my heart. And I told Kim, I, it took me a little bit to really, and I had to, look, the guy was like 22 years old, right? I mean, 22 years old. And you could tell he wasn't about that fitness. That's why he was at Planet Fitness. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> so I started having this moment in my heart. I was, I was convicted. Remember we talked about last week, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation renders you unfit for use. Conviction causes you to make a decision to turn and change what you're doing. There's a difference between the two. God never condemns you, ever. But he will convict you because he cares about you. And so I told my wife when I was walking out, I said, man, I'm struggling right now. Because there's a part of me that was in there that was like, say something. And then I had this check in my heart like, what you going to do, pastor? What you going to do, pastor? Right? What are you going to do? And he said, what are you, I'm thinking about, what am I going to do? And I told my wife, I said, you know, I want to get to a place in my life where when a situation like that pops off, the first thing I want to do is step in between it and try to figure out how love can win in the midst of it. Come on. That's, that's where I'm at. And you see, that's what happens with Paul. Paul, that's, what that's how Paul goes from being the persecutor of the church to being the church persecuted. Because the more intimate and the more closely you connect yourself with God, the more the heart of God flows through you. And you find yourself being treated the same way that they treated Jesus. Come on. He says... In a few more minutes, he said, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. He said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He said, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, whether it's living on this earth or it's dying like he died, one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection power from the dead. And then he goes on in verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He said, but I press on to possess 
that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. My life as a follower of Christ is not trying to be possessed by God, but it's recognizing and realizing I have already become his possession. That life is experienced in its fullness when I recognize that I am his prized possession. And you are. I don't care what your, what your life looked like. I don't care what your life looks like right now. I don't care what bad things you done ch- uh, chalked up on your, on your naughty list. I don't care what skeletons you have hiding in your closet, what things you want to keep secret from somebody else. Listen to me. There is nothing about you that would render you unfit for use. There's nothing about you or what you would do that would cause God to release you and let go of you. Paul said, my entire life, I'm spending it realizing this, that I'm already his prized possession. And so therefore, watch, therefore, therefore, he says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He said, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What if, and I get it, like I said, I'm not against goals. I'm not anti-goals. I'm not anti-resolutions. I got some anti, I mean, I got some resolutions, not anti, I got some resolutions, y'all, you know, there's the quarantine 15 that happened, or 20 or 25. It's, it's been there. So I have some goals. But, man, what has been stirring on my heart, and this may even just be a message for me. Maybe you're just like, that won't even for me. Maybe you just ain't listening. <laughs> right? But what if, what if we made our first resolution of 2021 as a follower of Jesus Christ, to know what it really looks like to be possessed by God, to know what it really looks like. Paul said this. Paul said that we have been crucified, buried, and resurrected with Christ. What if our priority this year is that we spend our year as a goal finding out what more and more that looks like, finding out what that looks like more and more, right? And so I'm going to give you five things briefly, and this is where you want to write these scriptures down, okay? I'm not really big on doing, like, machine gun scriptures, like I said. I'm not really big on doing proof texting either, but, but I feel like these will be really good for you to hang on to. And so here's, here's how you can jumpstart this whole getting to know Christ this year. Number one, y'all write this down. Number one, how forgiven am I? How forgiven am I? You want to know, how forgiven am I? Let me just give a couple of scriptures for you real quick. Uh, We'll go from old to new. In in Psalms chapter 103, verse 12, I'm actually going to turn this around. I'm going to read some from here. Psalms 103, verse 12. Do you have it? It's coming. It's there. So what it says is it says, that our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the what? 
from the west. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Do you understand that? You and your sinfulness are not one and the same with God. He has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. How forgiven are you? My sins are as far as the east is from the west. Let's keep going to Romans chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Look what it says, Romans 4, 7 through 8. Got it? All right. Romans 4, 7 through 8 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is what, church? Come on, church. It's what? Yeah. Oh, for what joy whose disobedience is forgiven. It says, whose sins are put out of sight. How forgiven am I? Your sins have been put out of sight. Keep going. Next verse. Yes, what joy for those who who record the Lord has cleared them of what? How forgiven are you? You've been cleared of your sin. Hebrews chapter 10, real quick, last verse on this question. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. Look what it says. Hebrews 10, verses 17 through 18. It says, and then he says, this is God. Then he says, I will never again remember their what, church? I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. If God says he can never again remember your sins or lawless deeds, is that a true statement? Absolutely. And and of those sins that he will never again remember, how many of those sins fall into that category, church? Come on, not a trick question. All of them. I'll never again remember their sins or their lawless deeds. Go to the next verse real quick. And it says, and when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. It's a done deal. One sacrifice, once for all, completely forgiven forever. You see, the gospel, the beauty of the gospel is found in this. The beauty of the gospel, gospel can be summed up this way. Everything is okay between God and you. Now, will you allow everything to be okay between you and God? That's the gospel. Number two, how accepted am I? How accepted am I? Romans chapter 8 Verse 15 and 17, I'm telling you, man, write these things down. Print them up. Put them around your house. Romans 8, verses 15 through 17 says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Come on, church. You have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. If you were in a place of fear in your relationship with God, you, are, uh, you're, you're, you don't understand You don't understand that God has not given you a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Did y'all see that? It says you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Sometimes we think in Christianity, in in our faith walk, we think it's us that adopted God. Don't we? Why accepted Jesus? No, you, you accepted the fact that he had already accepted you. Man, we think highly of ourselves, don't we? I found Jesus. Was he hiding from you? 
Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we get to call him Abba Father. Do you know the word Abba? That word Abba means daddy. Daddy. We get to call him daddy. When was the last time you called God daddy? We get to call him Abba Father. Is there another verse? Yeah, there is. Keep going. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are whose children, church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Verse 17, it says, and since we are his children and we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share in his suffering. Again, hang out with Jesus, love like Jesus, get persecuted like Jesus. Do you know it says you're heirs to the throne of God? And it says, and you are heirs with Christ. Another translation says you are co-heirs with Christ. Now hear me, don't freak out when I tell you this, but what does it mean when it says you are co-heirs with somebody? It means that you have equal rights. Come on. And so Paul is saying right here that the way God sees you is how he sees Christ. How he sees Christ is how he sees you. you know, it's, it's a sad thing, man. We've had we've, we've, church language and church lingo. We've, we've talked about this before with the forgiveness of God and things. And people will say, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus Christ. And I get what they're saying about that, but man, that's so damaging to you, isn't it? What do you mean? The only way that God can possibly look at me is if, it's, if, if he sees Jesus? So does he not really see who I am? Does he not really care for all? My, no, 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 no. No, when God sees you, it's not that he sees Jesus instead of you. He sees you as you were always meant to be because of Jesus. Come on. Number three, how loved am I? So we said, how forgiven am I? How accepted am I? Number three, how loved am I? How loved am I? Man, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Here it is. He says, for I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Church, what can separate you from God's love? Church, what can separate you from God's love? Nothing. Not a single thing. What can separate you from God's love? Well, that thing that I did last night, the thing I did at the bar, the thing I did with so-and-so, the affair that I had on my wife, the pornography addiction, the heroin addiction, the crack addiction, the cocaine addiction, the alcoholism, all that. Any one of those things can separate me from the love of God. What does the scripture tell you? Nothing, nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Neither death nor what, church? 
life. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Can I just tell you right now, listen to me. If you have doubts about God, if you have why questions about God and you're scared to voice them uh, because you fear that if you show any kind of doubt or if you even question God, somehow that's going to make God think differently of you. Can I just say release that right now in the name of Jesus? Ask your questions. He's big enough to handle them. And it does not stop you from being loved by God. I wasn't done. There we go. Neither our fears for the day nor our worries about tomorrow. And come on, church. We're going to go here in 2021. We're going to talk about it. But he said, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Man, we don't even want to talk about that verse in church half the time, do we? Because that messes up our theology a little bit, doesn't it? Next verse. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fullness of God's love for you was expressed. It was proven in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus Loved us to his death. First John chapter four, verse nine through ten. I got a couple more verses and then we'll wrap up. Three more verses after this and we'll wrap up. Y'all doing good? Y'all jotting this stuff down, taking notes, acting like it. First John chapter four, verses nine through ten. First John chapter four, verse nine through ten. Look what it says. It said, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we may have eternal life through him. So God showed us how much he loved us by sending his son into the world. What's the verse? Was it John chapter three, verse 17? God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what church? Save the world. For God showed us how much he loved us by sending his son into the world that we may have eternal life through him, that we may have an intimate knowledge of who God is through him. Come on, y'all. I can preach for another hour, but I'm not going to. We got a baby. All right, here we go. All right, so that's how loved I am. All right, two more. How new am I? Oh, my goodness, how new am I? Do you know the majority of our, our, our goals, our resolutions every year that we set is to become a what? A new me, right? A new person. New year, new me. How many times do we say that, right? And if you're constantly saying it's a new year and a new me, it must mean or you must think that you're an old you. But you're not an old you. You're a new you. Every single day of your life, you are a brand new you. You're a new you. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It's coming. It's coming. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, and we all know what, church? Who belongs to Christ? We all do. It says, and this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. 
And a new life has begun. You know, that phrase new person, it's a species of being that has never existed before. That's what it means. Romans 5, verse 9 through 11. He said, man, you got some scripture today, but aren't they good? Come on, church, aren't they good? Romans 5, verse 9 through 11. It says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Keep going. It says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Keep going. So now... We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? Friends with God. Last one. Last question. How perfect am I? How perfect am I? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And this is where we'll wrap. I'm going to close the service out with some worship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, it says, for by that one offering, who is the offering he's talking about, church? Oh, y'all had the Sunday school answer. I heard a bunch of whispers. Who, who is it? Jesus. It says, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy he has forever made you perfect what has happened on the inside takes some time to get to the outside amen you have this instantaneous moment the moment that you come to the reality and you put your faith in christ and go oh i believe it now i see it now that one moment doesn't radically transform you and make you into a brand new person right then. That, that takes time. You, you, your perfection works its way out. Your perfection works away. The way. Romans 12.2 says, and you can write that one down. You have to put it up there. Romans 12.2 says, don't be, tra- don't be conformed to the world any longer. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, it didn't say by, by, by changing what you pray, changing what you say, reading more, praying more, giving more, serving more. It says be transformed by renewing your mind to the reality of who you have been made by Christ. That's it. That's it. Do me a favor if you would. We're going to go ahead and we're going to celebrate on the way out. And I don't know about you, uh, but this is something to get excited about. This is something to celebrate. This is a testimony. This is our testimony. This is the testimony that we carry out, that we bear. In Revelation, it says that they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, the Jesus in your story. And what we just spent the last 15 minutes doing right now is finding the the Jesus in our story, the Jesus in our forgiveness story, and the Jesus in our accepted story, and the Jesus in our, well, uh, our love story, and our new story, and our perfected story. And the more we come to see Jesus in our lives, the more we see Jesus expressed me fair with your heads close your eyes for just a second